You're listening to Something Real, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. On this week's Something to Talk About, we are in our second week of the Advent season, and we are focusing on the promise and how God always keeps his promises no matter what, always has, is always going to. And so our hope uh, in Jesus' coming is that it is another promise that God kept and will continue to keep. So we're talking about that in today's episode. Hope you guys enjoy. do this let's do it good morning good morning how are you i am so ready to exemplify professional podcasting well you're in the wrong place (laughs) (laughs) that's down the hall oh my bad that's that's i thought this was the home of professional podcasting or the home of eternal sarcasm that too now that would be a good t-shirt christmas is coming (laughs) hello everyone we are still in our uh advent season here and yeah. everywhere else, actually. And everywhere yeah. else across the globe, isn't there? It's, it's just here. Mm. Um, so this week, <laughs> our focus was uh, within our little series here. Uh, because we occasionally do have focus. Well, occasionally. Not here in we particular often on the podcast. Lack focus. But uh, in our Love Has Come series, uh, we focused on the promise. And this is a little, uh, I guess, a little more uplifting than last week. <laughs> Yeah, we well, I mean, on the problem right, when, you, when you're locked in on the reason we needed a Savior because of our, our, our sin and the problem that we all have, that's kind of inherently a downer. It, it should be. If it isn't, then we're not doing something right because right. we're talking about the death and destruction that, that came into the system because of that. Um, but the hopeful part of it is that God never... He never needed a plan B. There was never never a plan B, never changed his mind. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, shoot, I better call an audible. This isn't what I expected. <clears throat> so that whole concept, when we look at at Christ in the Advent, Christ coming to to be God with us, to to save us from our sins, um, which we'll talk about this next week. We, you know, we go from the problem of our sin to to then the promise, which is our hope in Christ. And then next week we'll look at the, the provision, the redemption that we have in Christ, and that, that's what links those together. But we see this week that, that Jesus came to give us hope because God keeps his promises. So as, as he came, he was coming to solve the problem, to rescue us from our sin. Right. But the, sort of the fallout of that is the, the confirmation that God has a plan, knows what he's doing, keeps his word, never abandons us, never leaves his people hanging. He's not caught off guard. Uh, we, we don't have any fears. There's no reason for us to ever fear anything, which is, we talk about that a lot, dealing with you know personal situations uh, related to church and, and family and friends and, and ourselves. But there's literally no reason to fear anything because God has it. He's already, he's already seen it. He's seen the future as if it were the past. He creates it nothing exists at all that he didn't create mm-hmm. and so uh, in fact your your nephew was asking me about that at the uh, oh, I heard village tree lighting asking me about you know god creating satan and well he knew what satan was going to do why did he do this so we got to talk about his sovereignty a little bit um and, and i thought that was kind of a cool conversation just to have a sixth grader asking that question as, right. as we're working through it but anyway the the reality that um that Jesus came as was promised, 
as was prophesied from the very beginning and detailed throughout the law and the prophets. And in, in Luke, at the end of the book of Luke, we were just talking about that recently, that uh, all of the law and prophets point to Christ. So if we look at the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament is moving us toward this. And so the, here's the center point of history in Christ's advent, his coming, uh, and, and really that, that full event of his coming culminates at the, the cross and the empty tomb. And so we can't just look at, at you know, his advent as Christmas. His coming is this entire, uh, really this entire earthly ministry that he has until he's taken back up into heaven at the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts. And we see uh, that Jesus, as he walked with us, he himself was conscious of the fact that he was fulfilling prophecy. The, the writers of the scriptures were conscious of the fact that he fulfilled prophecy. So it confirmed his identity for them. Um, but more than just confirming his identity, it did, so they knew he was the Messiah. But beyond that, it confirmed that God keeps his word. He always keeps his word. It's much different than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, we... We all break our word. We make promises that we have no intention of keeping if we're politicians a lot of times. But, you know, we joke about politicians, but But it's it's not just. It is all of us. You know, we say, oh, I'll never do that again. Knowing full well we're going to do that again. Oh, man, I ate so much on Thanksgiving. I'm never going to get that full again until Sunday eating leftovers. You know, it's... Thanksgiving round two. Yeah, it's actually, I didn't wait until Sunday. It was... (laughs) Friday. <laughs> it was still again Thursday night and then Friday. So, but the but all of these promises that we make, all the New Year's resolutions, all these right. different things that There's we do. There's even studies on that, that, that uh, X percent of people quit their New Year's resolutions before three months or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then you think next year, you know, I'm going <laughs> to... I thought you were going to say before three o'clock and that <laughs> really wouldn't shock me. From honestly. midnight to three o'clock, it's you're just, done. That's it. Uh, you know, but, we, no, but, but little things like that, little things, quote unquote, but... Uh, I think we become almost jaded as a people because people, other people let us down yeah. with, with the breaking of their promises. Right. And so we become, and I think we touched on this um, last week when we were previewing this episode, um, we kind of expect it now we from, do, from yeah. people. Well, and even for a while, I don't know if people still use this phrase, but for the last 15 years or so, people use the phrase starter marriage. You know, you mm-hmm. get into this, you get into a marriage expecting, well, this is my first marriage, you know, that we're going to make these vows. And oh, I've never heard that. Not really expecting that it's going to really, yeah, you know, it's probably not going to work. That's depressing. A lot of them, I know, right? <laughs> but But that's the mentality is we expect that we're going to say these vows. And I see this at weddings all the time. People say things in these vows and they don't actually think it through, which... And you know, already know I feel this way. I get really yanked about people when we say our own vows. We wrote our own vows. It's not a vow. It's a Hallmark card. It's, it's nice that you feel fluffy things. That has nothing to do with swearing a commitment before God upon, upon death. This is the only thing that's going to cause me to break this vow is dying. We don't get that. It's not something that we do. And even when we do it, so many people say, till death do us part. So many people say, it's for better or worse. It's just something that... Right. Yeah, you say it. And I, I say that with military people. You know, when, when I joined the Air Force, it was... I already had made the commitment before I, I got there. You know, I, it was in my mind. It was in my heart. I already knew. Before I ever made the decision to join the Air Force, the, the values I was raised with would fulfill the vows that I took in, in swearing in into the military. Right. 
But I, I served with guys. I know guys now who go in. They, they take the same oath that everybody else takes. They're not thinking about it. They're, even right. though they, they make sure, at least they, they did when I went in, uh, the guy at the MAPS unit is going to say, here's, here's what you're swearing to, and this is why it matters. And they can't go back on this, and if you, you know, violate this, you're going to prison. But you know, either way, you, know, you, just, you don't break these files. And they, they put a lot of weight on honor. And so the, you know, w- whichever branch you're in, in, in the Air Force, you have the Airman's Creed or the, the Warrior's Creed for the Army, and, and you recite these, these aspirational values, but you're committing yourself to these things. And yet, we all know people who go in, and it's just another thing for them. Right. It's, it's not the same thing. I'm part of a club. I'm getting a paycheck. I'm getting college money or so on. And I'm not sold out to that. I, I don't know that I would say that that's the norm. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Mm-hmm. But, but that same kind of a thing is what happens in promises and taking vows and making, you know, saying, you know, this is, you know, this is what I'm saying. We do that all the time. And, right. and sometimes it's because we're just careless. We just don't think about it. We don't go deep enough. Uh, your mother and I have talked a lot of times about the, she you know, says, well, sometimes I just think too much. I don't think we can think too much. We can think wrongly. We can think in an undisciplined or unruly state, but I don't think we can think too much. I think our problem generally is that we don't think enough or we don't take it through to the logical conclusion. When I'm swearing these, these vows in marriage, I need to look at what can possibly go wrong and expect that it probably will go wrong mm-hmm. and how will I keep my commitment then? When I'm swearing in to, to the, the oath of office as president, I need to look at the logical conclusion right. of this. When I'm uh, swearing into the military, I need to think through this. This literally means that tomorrow, I, not tomorrow because I'm not released from my training yet, but, but when I go out here to do my job, I could very well die and I should expect to. Now, I don't want to. That's not, my, I don't, that's not part of the plan. The plan is to win, as George Patton would say, to make the other guy give his life for his country. But the reality of it is, if I don't think that all the way through, I won't be prepared when the moment comes. And we don't do that. So then we make vows that we can't keep. God's not like that. He knows the, the full conclusion of all of it. So when God says something, there's no surprise. But because of all that, it kind of makes that a hard concept to fully grasp sometimes, that God does keep all of his promises. And that's one of the reasons that it's so important for us to understand marriage and sexuality and family. It's so important for us to rightly understand government and authority because the, the, the way God has designed society, and God designed society, the way he has set these things up, family is to give us a picture of who he is. Mm-hmm. So when mommies and daddies don't keep their vows, I'm teaching my children, and we're teaching one another, and we're teaching those around us, our neighbors, something about God mm-hmm. falsely. When I do keep my vows, I'm teaching them something about God more accurately. When when dads in particular, husbands in particular, when they love their wives as Christ loved the church, when they serve their wives, lay down their lives for their wives the way Christ loved the church, I'm teaching my wife, my children, the surrounding society, something about the nature of God and the promise keeper that he is. That's what the the movement that came out of the 90s, uh, the promise keepers movement that was huge for a while, and I don't know if it's still active or not. That's a great concept because what they were trying to say, it's extremely unpopular to say the, anything complementarian in, in our society right now, but, but what they're trying to say was men have a responsibility 
to reflect the nature and character of God in the roles that God has given them. Not that women don't, but it's different roles, mm -hmm. equal value, different roles. And so when, when mommies don't, uh, you know, submit to their husbands the way the church submits to Christ, which only works, only works well when the husband is loving the way Christ loved the church and, you know, gives himself for her. If we don't do that, then we're teaching our families, our children, our husband, our, our society around us, something about discipleship in the church wrongly. And when we do it right, we teach that more accurately. When we submit to the authorities of government, when it drives me nuts. It's, it's a podcast, so I guess ranting is okay, right? Yes. It drives me absolutely bananas when I see especially people who might hold to my particular political or, or sociological views who then will be disrespectful toward a particular president or authority mm -hmm. figure. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Donald Trump, Barack Obama, you know, whatever, whatever president, whatever leader we're talking about, whether it's your football coach, your teacher, your boss, the police officer, when we don't interact with them and speak of them respectfully, respecting the office at the very least, even when the individual doesn't earn it, the office still merits respect. When we don't do that, then we are distorting the image that God has given us to, to portray. I, I, again, I don't want to let the rant take me too far away from where we're going here, but as we do these things, all of these different things, we can recognize the societal ills that come along with that. We can recognize that there is a sinfulness that comes along with that, a hard-heartedness. But what's most important is that it's a picture of God. So the fact, and this is where you started us out here when you were on track before I took us off track. It's usually the opposite, so you're okay. <laughs> when, when you brought this up, the idea that we do so poorly mm -hmm. in keeping our word, all of us, right. some better than others, but all of us, gives us pause in trusting God. It's right. hard for us to see that God always keeps his word because right. we don't know anybody who always keeps their word. Right. Uh, I, I use the illustration a lot of my, my daughter you know, jumping from a tree branch to me. And, and when she was little, she didn't know anything else. But I would always catch her. And so the more I would catch her, the more she would trust me. She could get on a higher branch, you know, and, and until I would have to say, no, I, that's too far. <clears throat> she would do all those things. We'd do it on the stairs in, in our house and, and so on. And that's how trust works. We trust a little. That trust is proven worthy. So then we, you know, the object of our trust is proven worthy. So then we trust a little more. Mm -hmm. But if I drop her, then that trust goes away. Mm -hmm. If I don't keep my word, God never drops us. God keeps his word. So the, one of the things that we were looking at on Sunday is the difference between faith and hope. And that faith is, faith is more of a mind issue. Hope is more of a heart and will issue. And so when we're talking about faith, um, the, the biblical understanding of faith is the, the knowing of that which we don't see. Right? So I'm certain of this thing that even though in this moment it doesn't seem to be true, it doesn't appear to be true, and yet I'm going to act as if it is true because I trust that it's true, period. I know that God has spoken. I know that God doesn't lie. I know that he doesn't change. He is good. He is all the things that he says in the scripture. So I'm going to trust the scripture. I'm going to know that it's true 
even when everything around me in my circumstances says otherwise. Okay. That's faith. Hope is the result of that faith, knowing that this is a sure thing. That, that's the faith part. I know it's a sure thing. The hope part is counting on it being a sure thing, expecting something from that, having this, this confident expectation of the result of my faith. So when I trust God in faith, I know that what he says is true. I know that he is who he says he is and that he keeps his word. Hope is the result of that. Because I know that God is who he says he is and he keeps his word, now I can rest in that. I can, I can put my foot on that rock. And, it, and it's not so much a matter of feeling as it is a matter of will. I choose to, to look forward expectantly for that. And I, keep, I hate to keep you know, kind of beating a dead horse here, but even that, having, having that hope is not, I, I guess in my own personal experience, is not something that I have been able to readily cling to in life because I'm dealing with people and mm. very human situations. So mm -hmm. I can hope for things to happen sure. or hope things go a certain way. And because we live in this world full of people, it doesn't always go that way. Yeah. So again, it, it draws back to sometimes that, that hope is harder to hold on to because we're so used to these things we hope for not happening. Right, yeah. You know? And there is a, there's a hard, there's a difficulty to it. It's not complex, it's not complicated, but it is hard. Right, you think and, things like hope would be easy, and, and yeah. but it's not always the case. Well, and I think a lot of times, again, it's important for us to recognize the difference between the biblical understanding of a thing right. and our contemporary understanding, how right. we look at it. So when we think of hope, and this is, you know, I mentioned before we got into the podcast, uh, that uh, my daughter and I were talking about this this morning. We're on the way to school and we're, we're memorizing the, the verse for this week, uh, Hebrews 10.23, let us hold unswervingly. I love the, the word unswervingly. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And that's kind of the, the summary of all of this, this aspect of Advent, knowing that God is faithful. He promised, he keeps his promises, he is faithful. That's the faith part is I know he's faithful. Therefore, I choose to hold Hold on to this hope that mm -hmm. I profess. I say, I believe that God's going to do this. I say, I know he's got me. His plans are good. He's, you know, he's working out the consummation of all things. So because I profess that, I need to cling to it. I need to hold to it without turning away, mm -hmm. without veering off from, from this faith. Not that we don't sometimes stumble, but I don't, I don't turn away from this. Because I know so it's the knowing that leads to the clinging mm -hmm. with this. So the, the hope is a reflection of our faith. That I'm able to confidently expect, I'm able to wait for this because I know daddy keeps his word. Right. You know, when, when, when my earthly parents make me a promise, I can trust this because I know that they keep their word. Mm -hmm. If my parents aren't people who keep their word, I'm not going to trust that. We see families disintegrate over just that very thing over and over again. Right. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm never going to drink again, right. and then I come home drunk. My kids stop trusting me. These are the things that, that happen over and over and over again. So my, my ability to hope, to cling expectantly to, to this knowledge of a sure thing in the future is based on and reflects my faith, my, how much I actually know that this is true. My faith is a reflection of my knowledge. Mm -hmm. If I don't know what God is like, if I haven't studied the scripture, if I'm not, the, the, the better versed I am in God's word, the better I actually know God. Mm -hmm. The better I know him, the more I can trust him. 
because I see that, okay, here's what God said, here's right. what he promised, here's what he didn't promise that the world's been telling me. And I can sort these things out and see, sort out the fact from the, the falsehood. As I do that, then I am able to place my faith and be sure and certain, even in the face of circumstances that seem to be saying just the opposite. Mm -hmm. I, I feel all these dominant negative emotions, the fear, the anxiety, all of the 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 anger, the impatience, the frustration, you know, why is the world so terrible? Why is my life this way? All of these things get swallowed up when I have a firm knowledge that this is what God said, this is what God does, this is his character, his nature, it doesn't waver. Therefore, in the midst of my worst situations, God doesn't change. All this swirling around me might, but God is constant. And that really that allows to, me right. to then lean into that and say, okay, because God is constant, I know one way or another, this is going to turn out for my good and his glory. Right, because that needs to be the core of it before anything else. Yes, there's, it's, there is a, a thought that starts out that leads to the, the deep belief. Mm -hmm. And the deep belief then drives the rest of it, drives my ability to expectantly, confidently wait. And that's, that, that idea of waiting is pervasive in the Old Testament concept of hope. There's a waiting on God. I don't see it. I, don't, I, I know that you know, right now everything seems dark and overwhelming, and yet I know that He is who He is. Your mom and I were looking at, at uh, I think it was Lamentations 3, as Jeremiah was dealing with some of his depression. And of course it's depression. The entire book of Lamentations is the only book in the Bible that is all all lamentations, these sad songs, the dirges of death, because God has had, he's already had Jeremiah tell Judah that you're going to go into exile. You're going to, you're going to be wiped out. You're going to become uh, part of the Babylonian empire. You're going to disappear for 70 years. Then I'll bring you back. But in the process, settle in because it's going to get rough. And the, you know, all these wonderful prophets who want to tell you, hey, live your best life now. You're going to have all this wonderful stuff. It's good. It's great. God's got your back. No, I don't. So don't listen to him. It, it's great stuff to hear from God. <clears throat> but in the midst of that, he says, I know the plans I have for you. So while, while it seems bad to you and all these you know, prophetic people want to make you feel good, they're lying. I'm telling you it's going to get worse. But I got you in my hand. I know what I'm doing. And at the end of this, when you come through it, it sounds like another conversation we are having before the podcast, when you're done with this, it won't be scary anymore because you'll see and then when you have been stripped of everything completely broken then you will seek me and find me because you'll seek me with all your heart so in the book of lamentations this has happened they're in the middle of this exile and jeremiah's like god has walled me in he has broken me he's abandoned me god does not care everything is dark gloom despair and agony on me Deep, dark de depression, excessive misery. There is just no hope in this life. And anytime I can get hee-haw into theology, that's a good thing. But uh, as, we're, as we're seeing his depression just take over, he says, I call to mind. There's an active remembering, an active choosing to remember who God is. That in the middle of this, all of my feelings and thoughts about what God has done to me that's not God. That's right. I'm, God hasn't chosen to break me and tear me apart. He has done what he promised to do to bring us back. To All of this hardship is part of what God is working out. He's got a plan. He knows the plan. It's a good plan. 
I don't necessarily get it all. I only know what he tells me. Beyond that, I just got to hang on, buckle up, let him drive. And, and let we, go of all the other garbage. I have to let go. And, and that's one of the things that we we are so bad at. You know, it's like, because even if you God, hate, take it from me, right. but I don't want to let go. Because even if you so. hate the junk, yeah. it's still familiar in a way. And it becomes comfortable right. in that. Right. Not, not that we like it. But I mean, it's think like a of, security blanket that hasn't been washed in 20 years. Think of <laughs> all the, the eating disorders and cutting right. and all the different things that people do in these disorders to deal with their pain, to right. deal with their Any anxiety. sort of addiction, whatever. That's right. So there's a sense of control that goes in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one, When people are addicted to pornography, it's generally, as not always, but as a rule, it's not about sexuality. It's about control. Mm-hmm. My life is out of control. Here is where I can feel some control. It, the same with cutting, the same with eating disorders, and, and so on and so forth. The root of these things is the same. Now, it all comes down to sin, and it's where the devil gets a hold of us. Mm-hmm. But he uses those tools to keep us there. And when we're trying to control things, we're not trusting God to control things. Right. So if we're going to break addictions, we have to let go of that control. We have to let God take over and trust that even when it doesn't feel like he's doing anything, he's still doing exactly what he has in mind to do. That's the nature of, of the Advent. Is when Jesus comes, he is keeping the promise that God made all the way back in Genesis 3.15 and hundreds of times throughout the Old Testament saying, here's what I'm going to do. Abram, I'm going to call you out of your homeland. You're going to come out of this place to go someplace totally unfamiliar, into the unknown, so to speak, for those who watch Frozen 2. Uh, and and as you do this, not the best song from that movie, but it, it sure wasn't "Let It Go" for sure. But it was still. I liked the eighties. That was that was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed hard at that. For those who have not watched it, forget everything we said in the last ten seconds. Here, they already so. have about most things we talk about. But the reality of of this call that he gives to Abram is that I have a promise for you also, this twofold promise. I'm going to bless all nations through you. I'm going to give you many descendants. And that promise, it finds its fulfillment in Christ. He makes a promise to David in Second uh, Samuel 7. Is that right? Uh, don't, don't email me if I got it wrong. Look it up yourself. So as... As he Nobody makes, <laughs> leave a voicemail for Stacy. Please, the year is coming to a close. <laughs> if, if you know, when God makes this promise to David that He will always have a descendant on the throne and that His descendant will rule over uh, God's people forever, it's fulfilled in Christ. When we see these things over and over be fulfilled in Christ, what we're seeing is that God always keeps his promises. And when he, when we see him keep it once, we can trust him to keep keep it a second time. When we see him keep it twice, we can trust him that much more. And, and so the coming of Christ, the coming of Messiah, is more reason for us to trust what God is doing now in our present, right. what he has done, what Christ does at the cross with our past, what God's going to do in our future, not just our future, but the entire future, we can rest in reality rather than in this subjective idea of feelings and uh, that we put into religion. What's interesting is that all of these promises that God has made and fulfilled, a lot of them anyway, seem to be in times of despair and darkness mm. and really difficult situations. Right. Uh, so that, to me, even more lends itself to the fact that, yeah, we can trust this because in these horrible circumstances, he came through. 
Right. And and it harkens back to the problem. So it, right. it all the problem starts in that Genesis three. That was the 3. biggest problem in the whole stinking universe. Right. And God said, and promised, every other problem comes from that. right. And so God promised right then and there. Look, this is what's going to happen. Right. In the midst of it. I think right. you hit on a really key point right then and there. In the midst of this, while this is happening, while they're still hiding from God, he makes this declaration. I was going to say he makes a plan. He already he has the plan. Right, and doesn't freak out about yeah. it or whatever. And it's know. not like he's, he has a strategy, a game right. plan that hopefully right. is going to work. It's, it's not like that. This is how it is. This is, a, this is the script that's going to be laid what out. What it is. And so when we see it, the, the promise of Christ shows that God has a plan, that he is doing something, he's actively in it. It, it, it reveals that God is for us, that his mm-hmm. plans are not, it would have been easy to just say, okay, so um, curse, I told you you were going to die, bye, you're done. Right. Eternal damnation for you, end of race. That's not what he does. Instead, he gives us this, this promise that the, the woman's seed will crush the serpent's head. You're going to have struggles. In the meantime, the ground is cursed to you. All of the cosmos now faces uh, death, disorder, and decay because of your sin. In case we ever wonder if there's a, a ripple effect to our sin, all they did was eat a piece of fruit, and the ripple effect went throughout the entire cosmos. So there is no such thing as private sin. But, but it reveals that God is not against us. He's for us. And it also... It also reveals his sovereignty. It demonstrates this reality that God does not depend on us. Creation succeeding, he put man in care of of creation, right? So the ecology, creation care is part of our initial call. So we we go be fruitful, multiply, and and fill the earth, and take care of the world that he created. We we bear his image, therefore we, as we're doing these things, we work uh, in his authority on his behalf. But it's not dependent on us. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need us to save us. He makes this this declaration of his plan that I'm going to send the Savior. And he doesn't ask their permission. He doesn't wait for them. He doesn't wait for them to fix it, to clean themselves up. We'll talk about that again in the redemption uh, phase this week. Um, but it also proves God's faithfulness, that, that he, when he makes a promise, he keeps a promise. And he makes lots of promises. And those promises are for the express purpose of reminding us that he is for us, that he is sovereign, that he can do what he wants, and that he loves us. So that, that's the why we make promises, right? To boost people's confidence. But if we don't know what those promises are, then we can't be confident. I, I can't... You know, I can't rest in something I don't know. Right. So I have to have to work at that and study. We see that the promise of Christ also is the foundation of our hope. It's the, the, the reason that we can confidently expect what God is going to do is because in Christ we see that he has already done what he promised. And for him in particular, Christ becoming our provision, our redemption, again, getting ahead into next week, as we see that, uh, that centerpiece of all of this, the same God who sent his son, who gave up everything to redeem sinners like us who were his enemies. He did this while we were still sinners, while we were still Christ's enemies. How much more can we be confident that he will give us all things that cost so much less than his son? Mm -hmm. He gives us everything in Jesus. If he gives us everything in Christ while we're his enemies, how much more does he want to bless us while we're his children, when we're now his friends reconciled to him? And so, you know, that 
that's a big deal. But the, the promise of Christ, this, this redemption promise that we have in Messiah, is not for everybody. It's only for those who will receive it. It's not this blanket that, you know, this goodwill, uh, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Uh, across the board, everybody's getting a pass. Right. You get a car, you get a car, everybody gets a car. That, that's not how these promises of God works. The, the promises of God are for those who will receive it. Essentially, he's purchased a present. He's paid for the present. He's wrapped the present. He's presented this gift to you. But you have to choose to open it. You have to receive it. You have to receive this gift. <clears throat> and, you know, there may be uh, Calvinists out there who are going to debate what I just said. Don't, because... <laughs> We're coming from the same from the same place here. God's sovereignty moves through all of this. But nonetheless, whatever God does on his side of the curtain, on this side of the curtain, we all have to act like Arminians in a lot of ways. But that's another debate for another time. Um, and we see that he, Jesus came to give us hope because God keeps his promises. We can hope in him. This, this hope in, in God's faithfulness is why we can hold unswervingly. We can, we can cling to it and say, look, God's... God's going to do what God said he's going to do. Because always. there are promises yet to come. Promises yet to come. We'll get that to that we the last on. week too. The, oh, I'm sorry. the final week we'll we'll talk about this perfection that's coming. But God does have a a future for us that he has already described. He's already promised us. Here's what's going to happen. There is a resurrection coming. And we can and, depend on and that we because can absolutely of absolutely count on it. Right. right. And that and that's where Paul goes with it is look, this whole resurrection thing it's not small potatoes. Right. It matters because God has always kept his promises. Peter says, as scoffers come, Peter says, God's not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, mm -hmm. not wanting anyone to perish. So he's holding out until the full number of those who will come, of those who will receive this promise, have done so. And when that happens, then the end will come. And the consummation of all things will happen. The perfection will come. All that is imperfect will be destroyed. That's coming. In the meantime, we have grace, we have mercy to get us to be his, to, to get us into that place of perfection to fulfill his promises. We'll talk more about that, I think you said, in a couple weeks here. But uh, we'll stop there for today. So uh, next week we are talking about... It's good that you stopped me because I'll just keep rolling. Well, we're over so. time, so that's the only reason I'm doing it. Next week we're going to talk about the provision. You can't see where I'm looking right here, but there's a nice little banner in the church. Uh, and we will talk about that in our Something to Think About cast. I do like those banners. They are. Like I said last week, I feel like I'm walking into a castle. That's pretty cool. I wish there was a dragon. Uh -huh. <laughs> All right. We will catch you guys later. <laughs>